Caution. Learning in progress. Good morning, everyone, and thank you so much for listening to this episode of Smarter Every Season. Um, if you were joining us last week, that kicked off the first of our spring-style updates. So uh, if you didn't, let me catch you up on that a little bit. What we're trying to do this time of year is pass along the tips and tricks and things that are kind of driving our call volume and what we can do to help solve those types of issues. Hans Stetsmans joins me again in studio this morning. Hans, we were just remarking here. Uh, it's a sunny, beautiful day in Tremont, Illinois. Not quite as many planners yet, Roland, as what we thought. But I think uh, I think as the week progresses here, we're going to see more and more around around the Corn Belt go. Yeah, I believe so. It's it's, <clears throat> it's good weather um, right now. We got good weather, so I've seen a, a few more running today than I did yesterday. So I think today and tomorrow we'll still get a get a fair bit of guys running. Um, yeah. But you know, we're getting there. Yeah, I think we're I, definitely we're definitely getting to that point. I think we should stop there because I don't want to sound tone deaf because I still know we have some uh, partners in in Minnesota, the Dakotas that might still be under uh, about a foot of snow. Yeah, <laughs> we feel your guys. pain, guys. We'll we send it your way. It's coming. We'll it's coming. It. You'll yep. get there. Yep. All right, Hans. Let's go ahead and dive in uh, to some of the bullet points we have prepared for this episode. First of all, Gen three on twenty three and older softwares. One of the um, features that we added a couple years ago was the ability to set distance for four up to four seat exits um, but when you do that on the 1224 and 1632 so mostly that affects deer and maybe some case planters yep. um, the left right offset or the side to side offset I think that's usually D and E mm-hmm. um, does not aqua- a- apply quite properly can you talk a little bit about what to expect there yeah so what you're doing is when you go to those the 32 row planters the center section on those rows the rear uh, center section has um, a different set of rows in them than what we, or the way we're shifting those rows is incorrect. So they'll actually stack those rear rows incorrectly on there. What you'll have to do is you'll have to go into, uh, set it up like you normally would and say your four to seat exits, and then go to your custom table and manually move the back center section um, to the left 15 inches or to the right 15 inches. You have to play with those a little bit to get them to shift over correctly. Um, and it's different between the deer uh awesome planners in the case because they the extra row is on the opposite side on those rows planners so you got to shift it opposite directions um but that's the you do have to shift the center section using custom table to move them over um that works for beans you actually have to do this process twice because your corn setup is going to be different than your bean setup so basically what we're telling guys is set it up one way save that configuration set it up for corn save that configuration you'll use both those configurations when you go back and forth between the two crops. Oftentimes what I'm seeing is is it's either the furthest forward or the furthest back rows in the center section. Correct. And yep. we always I feel like we always teach guys to look at the uh like the, the, the frame v- layout. Yes, thank you, the frame, the frame layout. layout. I was going to say V drive frame layout, but nevertheless, if that looks like your planner, you should be good to go. You should for be swap. good to go. Yep. And the problem is it it doesn't. It doesn't. It'll line up what will happen is your back rows will line up right over top of your front rows. Correct. Is what yeah. you'll see. Yep, but if you do go into the custom table and fix it, yep, actually manually input the offsets, it will look right in that frame layout Correct. once you're done, right? Yep, or should it will. Okay, yep, it perfect. Will. Yep, perfect. Hans, uh, some notes to pass along on sound because going from 2022.0 to 23.0 on a Gen three. 
there were actually some sounds that we had to remove from the Gen 3. Correct. So um, one of the things we're noticing, and we, we discovered this, this this past week or a couple weeks ago, um, is that when you move went from 2020 to 2023 software, there was a couple of sound, uh, particular sounds that guys would set up for their alerts or their alarms or their key, key presses that we removed and replaced them with something new. The thing is, is that if you had that particular sound active, when you updated software and removed that software, that sound from the software code, we replaced it with a blank sound. There's no sound there. It actually, the box itself, you go to their sound settings, the box will be a, just a white box. There will be nothing assigned to it. Um, and as such, you won't get a sound if that sound was an active sound. So your alarms don't work, but your alerts might because they, if they were different sounds, one works, one doesn't. Um, so if you're getting that, just go to your sound. If you're missing some sound, go to your sound settings and make sure that the there is a sound assigned to it and then it's not set to mute it's not um, just a blank white box it's not a blank white box and yep. then it's not set to mute so and yep. there are different sounds in 23.0 than it was in 22 okay perfect hans i'm going to try and take this next one i think we are just still seeing a fairly high amount of calls around em flow sense setup emhd um i mentioned off off uh, the introduction that this is the second episode of our quote spring style mm-hmm. updates and Last week, we hit on a handful of different things with liquid setup. Those still all apply. They do. I would still highly recommend everything that we talked about last week is still relevant. So if you weren't able to catch last week's, this is the first time you're catching one of these spring-style uh, update podcasts. Next week, or last week's episode is still completely and totally applicable. Yep. Um, I would also point everybody toward, on the cloud now, under the vApply HD section of product resources, there are new resources dedicated to EMHD, EM FlowSense setup. They are good. Yes. Uh, they are newer documents. So I understand if you would say, well, you know, a month ago I went and looked, there was nothing there. Yes. Yep. yes. They are newer documents. They are newer documents. But, um, they, are, they are very good. And, and these are still driving our call volume. And so I just want to point everybody back to what we said last week. And those documents are still extremely relevant. Yeah. And to your point, one thing you mentioned this earlier is that if, if you're using those documents and you're going through and you still get to the point saying, this just doesn't, like something's missing. If there's something that's not getting those contexts, please let us know. Let us know what piece of that document is confusing yeah. or is missing from, from the setup process. Send it left, in a ticket. That left yeah. you confused as to what it was. Yep. yep. We would greatly appreciate that. Yeah. Um, Hans, this is a quick bullet point, so I'll try and take this one too. For best practices, make sure that prescription files are on the root of the drive. Um now, I think, I'm not sure, I'm not an SMS expert, but yep. I think when they export prescriptions, it's in a folder that says send to 2020. You probably don't need to take that out. Correct. What what gets a little confusing is there's there's probably certain spacing and certain capitalization that actually yep. needs to go into the naming of that, that, that SMS yep. has gotten right. But the easiest thing typically to make sure there's no obstacles with a folder or folder structure when bringing in a prescription is have it so all those files are the first thing you see when you oh, click on your, your USB, USB yep. in the start menu of your Correct. computer. Yep. I mean, that's the biggest, that's the easiest way that I've found to get them most consistent anyways. If they're on the Rither drive, they just import directly from there. You got the three sh- the three of them, pieces of the shapefile that you need. Yeah, let's go over that. Dot .shp. SHP. SHX. Yep. DBF. DBF. Those are the three that we need. Now, if you export it from some other uh, systems, I know that like John Deere Ops Center will bring over... I think they bring over like five different file types. That's fine. We only need the three. If the, all the others are there, that's fine. Leave them there. It won't hurt anything to, to import them with those there. But we only need those three, uh, those three file types. 
Hans, the last one, actually, I'm kind of excited about because we're going to talk a little Hans strategy Ooh, here. We'll see about this. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about Smart Connector Diagnostic Strategy. We've gotten a few phone calls around yep. s- Smart Connectors. Um, first thing that I would say is for anybody that's uncomfortable with, well, I, you know, I just don't know that much about Roflow or Smart Connectors or Air Force. Maybe you're a newer dealer and you just haven't really sold them. They are a piece of older technology or they're viewed that way a lot of times our troubleshooting trees around those products are very robust and, yeah. and around really all products uh, but especially those if you're unfamiliar with that system i would strongly encourage to lean on those troubleshooting trees for air force smart connector Rowflow, those kind of legacy type, type products and, and part of the reason for that is that they haven't changed the process they haven't we haven't changed the process we haven't changed the screens we haven't changed much as far as how to diagnose those systems since then since we built those guides agree so here's the strategy i want to get into one of the pop-ups that i hear from time to time on a a smart connector call is unable to supply eight volts to the smart connector Mm -hmm. but you can also sometimes that's hard i feel like because sometimes you can go look and the smart connector will be green Mm -hmm. but you're still getting that pop-up but then a lot of times those guys will also complain that when I'm planting, X happens. Yep. So if I'm getting that pop-up, what's my strategy to try and figure out what the problem is? Yep, so what you're getting in that pop-up, uh, what that pop-up pop means, it's that 305, it's it can't supply 8 volts from the smart connector to the seed tubes. Something's shorting or our, is causing to lose power to the sensors itself. Um, and so my approach to that has always been, okay, let's, let's work our way from the smart connector backwards. Where does that power drop out? Where do we lose that system? So what I normally do is I pull the 37-pin connection, reset modules, see if the smart connector stays green. If it is, okay, that's good. And you don't get the pop-up. I don't get the pop-up. Nothing happens. I plug the 37-pin back in. If I get the pop-up again right away, that means I still have a present condition that's causing that short or that loss of power. My next step is to go back, and then I know I know it's a problem on big planters, but unplug every C-tube sensor and RUM from the planter harness on the on the – so it's just the smart connector and the original planner harness. Reset modules. If that event code comes back, I know it's still present between the smart connector and the C-tube sensor. It's not a C-tube sensor issue. It's a harness issue. If it doesn't come back, start plugging your sensors and rums in one at a time until you hear find the short. Um, Reese, until you see and you reset, mo- reset, and modules reset module between, between okay. each one. Yep, reset module between each one. Um, just a week and a half ago, I came across, we had an issue with this and was doing the exact same thing and we finally started working our way through through it. We knew one side was fine. We could run off of one side. We couldn't run off the other side. And we started going through the whole system. And all of a sudden, row 20, we said, hey, every time I plug 20 in, this system drops out. <laughs> and we said, okay, we'll leave 20. Let's go to add, add everything else. And we got all 24 rows minus 20 in. We pulled finally. So there's got to be an issue on row 20. It's got to be a sensor issue on 20. And about 10 minutes later, I get a picture of a harness. And the C2 sensor harness was cut in half. Yep. So, um but yeah, that's the easiest thing. The one thing that we will call out then on 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 um, Gen three smart connectors. There's a couple of things we've talked about and ran across on this. Gen three smart connectors has a passive mode and an active mode. When you set up a Gen three smart connector um, on a Gen three system, active mode means the 2020 and the smart connector is powering the sensors. We're providing power to the sensors, and we're actually actively looking for detection on the C tube sensors. So if you lose a sensor, it's going to turn red in the diagnose page. Um, because that's an active mode, we're powering the sensors, and that's where our C pulse comes from. If you're in passive mode, what we're doing in passive mode is basically a listen-only mode. 
We're not powering the sensors. We're not pushing for detection of the sensors. We're looking to see, to see on the seed pulse. We're only reading the seed pulse side of it. That passive mode is only used when you go to like an exact emerge um, where they're still where they're powering the sensors and we're just listening in. Um, the ME5E where we're tying in, we're wiring off the seed tube sensors and we're listening only. Um, those are the only two that I'm currently aware of. There are a few more that are out there where you could be in a passive mode and you're listening to the sensor, not actively powering the sensor. If you put a smart connector in passive mode, um, we basically turn off the power going out of the smart connector to, to, to actually power the sensors. So the sensors will never come on and they will never count seed because they're not actually powered at that point. So um, big distinction between passive and active mode. Um, but, Active mode should be used for all situations that are not powered sensors. Yeah, I think you talked about this before we started recording, but I think in, is it in passive mode that we, it's a high likelihood that your seed sensors will be green all the time. They will be green all the time, no matter what you do. We're just waiting for a signal. waiting for a signal. Okay. Your diagnose page will say, if you put it in passive mode, your smart connector and diagnose page will stay green as long as you're communicating to the smart connector. Okay. Perfect. Hans, that's all we got. I would just pull everybody back to uh, basically, you know, everything that we talked about last week, I would say yep. is, is still, still extremely relevant. We're still seeing some of those calls from last yep. week. So perfect. Hans, thank you very much. As for everybody else, thanks so much for listening and have a safe and happy spring.